This podcast is sponsored by JHS. JHS has a solution to meet any project you may have. From small residential all the way through to high-end commercial, JHS has a hand-picked commercial LVT, vinyl, carpet tile and a variety of broadlooms to meet every level of budget and specification. Visit jhscarpets.co.uk, contact them directly and get your local area manager to pop in for a cup of tea. Now sit back, enjoy the show and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. First question, what is your backstory, Paul, first? Right, well, my backstory, it starts a long time ago. A long time ago. I feel very old. I feel very old, but never mind. No, it started, um, my working career started back to when I left school. School, dare I say, it wasn't for me. Yeah, I enjoyed parts of it, but I think from uh, GCS, GCEs at the time, sorry, etc., yeah. etc., you know, it wasn't something that I didn't come out with many. So I was sort of left in a bit of a quandary. I thought, right, what do I do? What do I do with myself? And an opportunity came up when I was 16 to go up cold calling, knocking on doors, Lovely. flogging windows. Oh, yeah. So when I think back now, actually, that's uh, it's pretty good grounding in sales. Oh, because, yes. Because um, I dare anybody to sort of tell me otherwise that the hardest sale isn't knocking on somebody's door at 7 o'clock at night when you're 16-year-old trying to sell them windows. So that's where that's where my work and career started. And then from there, bits of bobs really, sort of jobs here and jobs there in different uh, factories, assembling different things yeah. from microwaves to televisions. After a while, I got a bit sick of that and I thought, right, you know, what's the next step? I have to do something, try and challenge me, challenge myself. And I ended up joining the Royal Navy right. in 1994. So I enjoyed the Royal Navy for 10 years, had a real good time, you know, met some great people, understood, understood the benefit of discipline and getting on with things, you know, getting on with things. So again, a real good grounding to what I do now. So, you know, I was them gonna... things combined work really, really well. I was going to say two great things, double glazing salesman and... Yeah. The Navy, that you couldn't start a better career. <laughs> <laughs> no, they couldn't really, to be fair. Yeah, like, really yeah, life, well, life's a funny thing, mate, isn't it? At the end of the day, you, you don't know what's around the corner for you. I certainly didn't. When I left school, like I say, you go back, what, 1980, 1987, I left school. Yeah. And it was sort of a case of, right, we'll wash your hands, we'll wash our hands up with you, you know, off your pop. You won't amount to anything, all this sort of thing. And, you know, at the time, when you're quite young and vulnerable, you do believe it. So yeah. it's quite difficult. But again, eventually, you know, I got to where I wanted to get to and joined the forces. Fantastic time. Really learned, learned a lot about myself and about other people. So fantastic time. And from there, when I left, um, again, another difficult period, thinking, you know, what do I do next? So you, you get a certain amount of money for resettlement. Yeah. That goes sharpish. So I spent it on something ridiculous. I can't even remember what it was. Then I fell into um, a bit of self-employment. I went into plastering, right. working on building sites with with my brother-in-law, wow. which was great for a short for a short spell. And then from there, I thought, right, well, what do I do now? And I actually applied for a site manage, manager's job for a company called CLC Contractors, who were, who were a fit-out company, quite a large fit-out company in the UK, and specialised in social housing and hotels and leisure. But I went there for a site ma manager's job. And yeah. after an hour speaking to the director, 
he offered me a business development manager's job. Right. And I said, oh, well, what's that all about? Well, basically, Paul, you've got to go out. We'll give you a car, a telephone, what have you. Off you pop. You go out, speak to people, and say, right, use our service. That sounds all right. I'll <laughs> give that a whirl. So, yeah, so that's, that was my first for, foray into sales. I was there six years. Again, I had a great time. I had a great time. And then sort of bounced around a wee bit, different sort of jobs, and end, ended up where I am now at Jerflow in 2014. Right, okay. So it's 10 years, now in 10 years I've been with the guys, so yeah. Fantastic. So for the un- uninitiated, um, who, who were Jerflow? Because um, I, I personally, I'd never heard of them. So, yeah. uh, so you no, tell wait, me. No. To be fair, I think in certain industries, certain sectors, we're probably not as well known as we need to be. And we'll get on to why, uh, perhaps, and, and why I'm doing the job I'm doing now, as yeah. it happens. But our Jerflow are a global commercial flooring company okay. operating in pretty much across the globe turning over circa 1.3 billion euros so quite yeah. a large, large organization in the uk we are probably should we say number three number four in the pecking order when it comes to flooring manufacturers based on size sort of value mm-hmm. turnover and we specialize in commercial flooring predominantly vinyl but we also Specialize in carpet tiles, yeah. stair nosings, matting, and wall protection. That side of the business is with our sister company, which is part of the group called Gradus, right? Which you may have heard of. You may have heard of Gradus. Rings a bell, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so, so all told, yeah, we're, we're a good sized business, but I think you, you probably hit the nail on the head. What we need to do is be more visible. And once we have the vis- visibility, really get some engagement going with people within the various sectors we deal with. But yeah, but in a nutshell, that's 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 who we are. Fantastic. And and how? Um, so you do you obviously you're a northeast lad. Uh, I'm yes. hoping with 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 a similar accent to me. Yeah, um, yeah, northeast. So your national sales manager. How does that look? Have you got a team of BDMs? Do you just run the national team, or how does it look? And and also. Who are you having cups of tea with on a daily basis? You know, as you don't have to give me a client list, but you know, it's uh, who, who, which flowing contractors are you speaking to or flowing companies? Well, what it is, Tom, I, uh, I'll go back slightly just to give you a sort of an overview of what I've done at Jerflow because my job's slightly different to what I've done previously. So I started as an area sales manager yeah. in the Northeast in Yorkshire for six, six years and then moved on, no, three years, three years. Yeah, I'm getting all I told you. Three years, and then from there, I took on the role of regional sales manager for the North and Scotland. Yeah. So I had a team of seven ASMs, which I used to, whom I worked with, um, who were they had their own customers, flooring contractors, etc. Now that was up until April this year, where I've been sort of working with the business, and we're, we're looking to try and find new avenues. So my job now as a national sales manager is basically a startup whereby we're starting to focus more on certain areas. I don't manage a team directly anymore, but okay. I do sort of have dotted lines, if you like, I suppose, the best way to describe it. And I am I am working with everybody within the business right. on a regular basis. So my job now is, as a national sales manager is across main contractor supply chain yeah. and modular. And the two link, link together quite, no, I wouldn't say intrinsically, but they do link together. So my customers would be the... Uh, Principal contractors, you know, Vinci, Morgan yeah. Sindel, Kia, them types of people. 
and it links in when we talk about flooring contractors it links in very very well what, with what they would call their category a flooring contractors okay so i mean there's a number of them as you can imagine but active flooring yeah i do quite a bit of work with titan flooring i do yeah. quite a bit of work with newcastle flooring up this neck of the woods very very active within the sort of principal contract the design and build down south axiom very big and loutons yeah blade flooring and them types which so probably the the bigger flooring contractors who sort of work with it within with the, with the principal contractors because it because one question you might ask me is is it for everybody well no it isn't no you probably know the reason why which we can possibly get onto but yeah so them types of flooring contractors i would interact with and deal with with the help of the area sales managers within each each region's each region okay so if you had a mid-sized contractor that had yeah. seen your products has been on a couple of bigger sites but not quite you know obviously not the size of Loughton or anything like that can they get in contact with you or can they can, you know how, how's the buying per process done in in a simplified form if, if people well also well i mean for us we we, we tend to deal well two ways direct on cert with certain customers on certain products and a lot of a lot of the work a lot of the um sales go through distribution okay so the headland group carbon and flooring uh, likewise guys who are relatively new but really making a making a name in the market fm birch them sort of guys so it tends to be direct or through distribution right. but it tends to be driven more by product or value maybe maybe it's overall value of a project that that might have a say as well potentially okay and how are you getting the product out into the market how are you getting or what what's the plan to get it get it noticed well um generally we do a lot of work with flooring contractors you know our friendly flooring contractors who help us out a hell of a lot really in putting the product forward the guys are very active with a and d so they've got their own architects and designers they'll go and see on a regular basis they'll carry out cpds and you know lunch and learns and that, that, that type of thing yeah. And my job is to help the guys get involved a wee bit more with the A&D within the principal contractor. Okay, right. Because obviously the design and build contractors have a hell of an influence nowadays and uh, and what have you. So it's important we sort of, we, we strike the balance and we're seeing the architects, we're seeing the designers, the, the, we're seeing the principal contractors and we're seeing the flooring contractors. So it's, a pretty, it's pretty much of a, a spread across the three of those. Oh, fab. Um... And because I ask this question all the time with the uh, shop owners and um, let's say the smaller contractors, but I'm really interested to know what do you think the biggest problem with the UK flooring industry is right now coming from your area of expertise? I would say a lot of perception on the size of a flooring contractor and what they can achieve. I think obviously directly for me, I'll be a little bit controversial or well, because it might not be controversial, but I think the issue we do see a lot of the time is flooring contractors really good guys guys and girls who do a great job and they struggle they struggle with cash flow because they're working with clients or contractors whereby their the, the payment terms are, are miles out you know 90 days we hear about we hear about 100 days plus it's yeah. crazy and for small businesses they can't afford it but they've got to, they've got to do the work so they're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place and us, us as manufacturers, we'll have certain terms with these guys, see if it's direct. And it's difficult for us and difficult for them because you're trying to find the middle ground to help them out. You know, and you appreciate on a human level the difficulties that they're going through because they've got to pay the guys. They've got to keep their heads above water. So it's a, 
it's a real, really, real dichotomy when it comes to this. And I think that's the biggest thing for me for the guys. I feel so sorry for them because sometimes they just get led down a path and then they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting before the money comes in. Yeah. And it's just it's just a disaster for them, really. So I think there needs to be some common sense applied on payment terms, to payment terms, excuse me, across the procurement route, whether it's going from, coming from a distributor, whether it's coming direct from a manufacturer, and an understanding what the payment terms are. And I think they should be set at a relatively realistic time frame yeah. across the board. And then, then that should that should allow the guys to real get on with things and push on and grow their business. Because I think a lot of them, they can't grow their business because they've never got any bloody money in the bank because they're always waiting for it. So I yeah. think cash flow, sorry, that was a bit of a long, yeah. yeah, sorry, long-winded answer, but I think cash flow in a nutshell, Tom, is, is the biggie, what I see. What I, I see. couldn't agree, agree more. When I used to do little bits and bats of commercial stuff, the terms were like the thing that either put us off or put us on. And then you still didn't know, you know, oh, it's 30 day terms. But then they used to bring in and I've not got a vast amount of experience in this, but it certainly used to put me off and it would be 30 day terms. But then if you didn't get the invoice in, let's say the last Thursday of the month and you put it in on the Friday, well, that goes on next month. So then so that suddenly is then 60 day terms, etc. And then also, you know, yes, you've got to read your small print, you've got your retentions and all this type of stuff. So by the time you've, then you've got the pressure of the site managers, like breathing down your neck that you need to get this done yesterday. So then yeah. you work in something that looked quite appealing on a spec and a, on a. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, you, you've, you, you've had you've had no money in the bank for a few months. Um, you've busted your bum to get it done um, as quick as you can, and then when you actually get paid, you've kind of you're already on three sites later. Um, so yeah, uh, great, yeah. great, valid point. Uh, because it's, I think, if you're not 100% versed and you haven't got fantastic cash flow, it, it can be challenging because you know the bigger jobs are you know, can oh, be lucrative, but they're... and then down the line you've got the problem. You've got the you get the money in the bank, but who do I pay first? Yes, yeah. And then then you've got that problem. Oh God, I've got I'm getting phone calls from these people, phone calls from them people. I just wish sometimes. Look, I don't think life's ever black and white. I don't think business should be black and white, and I think people, manufacturers, and others. Within the within the sort of the, you know the, 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 the procurement route, if you like, everyone should be a bit more savvy as to how it in, in affects others. Now, people might think that's a bit of a soft approach, but it's not because look at the end of the day, you've got to, I, I'm a great believer in giving people an opportunity. Now, if people take advantage of that, then so be it. And that's, a, that's a different conversation. But I think initially, I think people need to think. Well, hang on, it's never as black and white as we think. There's always a consequence to every action. You know, how is this going to impact down the line? And, and I don't think that's thought about enough. I think there's too much commercialism, if I could say the word, yeah. around it. And it's not always a case that computer says no, and that's the end of it. You know, there's a human element to all of this, all of this. And people, it's very, what, what we do and what uh, principal contractors do, any any client that pays a bill, it's very impactful. So they need to should think about it and what the consequences is to the other people down the chain. Um, and I don't, I don't think that is always taken into consideration. I think from my side, def- absolutely, definitely, it is. It is. You know, or if you think, if, every, if everyone thought to themselves, if I put myself in that position, what would it look like for me? And made a sort of a de- decision based around that. I think everything will be a lot healthier within the uh, within the industry. Absolutely. We, we used to even give like incentives to pay within seven days. So you, yeah. you would agree the 30-day terms. But look, if you pay within the seven days of completion and sign-off, 
your fee will go down to this. And it's like quite a lot of people took us up on it. And honestly, and yeah, it makes you, sense. Get, you know, it's worth the cash flow. It's worth the heartache. And then they get money back in, you know, back into the profit pot. So, so yeah. Um, is there any standout jobs you've been involved with um, that you can obviously mention the names or that you sort of have been involved in the sales process of even a local jobs or national or global jobs that you're super proud of? Well, it's been a while since I've been, I was involved with any jobs, but I mean, there's plenty of plenty of jobs we've carried out over the years where we're, where we're very, very proud of. I mean, I think predominantly, not naming any specific sites, a lot of work on Procure 23 for healthcare projects. We do a lot, a lot of healthcare work. Okay. Uh, and we do it more and more and more as people sort of understand what we're about. Because again, it goes back to that visibility, that engagement question to start. Um, getting, you've got to get your name out there. Every business has to get the name out there. But I mean, a lot of big jobs, but a lot of smaller jobs. We do quite a bit of work with uh, Durham County Council. You know, they use our products quite a lot. I don't get involved directly with it. It tends to go through their their own works department or via their framework, nominated framework contractors. There's loads and loads of stuff. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, something that, something that we can sort of put a finger on. Yeah, I think maybe, I think, no, I think what I'd probably say is, there's one product in particular that we're probably more known for than others, okay. and it's sports sports flooring. Right. right so within Geoflow, there's a product called Taraflex. So some of the some of the viewers, viewers, listeners, yeah. listeners, perhaps, <laughs> have probably heard of Taraflex. So it's a, it's um, it tends to be a, a product specified in education, so primary schools and uh, secondary schools and what have you. So we've done oh goodness me, hundreds and hundreds of schools. And I think the point the point of Taraflex is really to protect the kids. It's a point elastic floor. I don't know, Tom, I don't know if you're familiar with point elastic. No, but it not is, at all. It's got a bit of a softening effect, if you like. Okay. I'm trying to think of a layman's term, whereby if a kiddie falls over, they don't hurt themselves. Because traditionally, well, I think when I was a kid, the tradition was concrete. Yeah. Just go and play over there. If you fall over, don't worry about yourself. But the tradition now is more sort of wood or, or, or another hard surface. But if it's hard, it's hard. If you fall over, you're going to hurt yourself. So what we're seeing is a, a big demand for yeah, sort of point elastic sports clothes and so Taraflex is the main brand. So that's probably the biggest thing we're proud of, you know, creating an environment for kids in schools where they're, where they're a lot safer than they used to be when I was a boy. So is that kind of like a self-healing vinyl as such to the layman's terms, or is it like a, so it layers on a concrete or? Yeah, yeah, it, it's just a stuck down. So you glue it down as you would a traditional vinyl, sticks yeah. to the floor. I mean, there, there is loosely options as well, but. Um, the listeners are probably more familiar with the stuck down version and it's just a it's a point elastic so basically it's um, it, range, it, it varies in thickness but the top the thickness is 12 12.5 mil so it just allows that more of a comfort element if you can right. imagine if you fall over um, but it doesn't take away from the playability because of the surface treatment it allows a good slip slide compromise so you can slide in for the ball and you're not going to hurt your knees so it's just a lot easier um, I mean, in Europe and the rest of the world, it's—I mean, it's—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it, it's, it's taken on. I mean, it's taken on. It's, it's been around since 1947, to be honest. But I think out of when we talk about products and projects, it's them two things: schools and Taraflex are linked together. That we're probably would say we're, we're, we're most proud of. Yeah. So I'm assuming that can be line marked and just. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you put your line marks on, and you know, it has a good good life. I mean, end of the day, it's probably. In some instances where Tyroflex has been in situ for 40 years or 30, right. 40 years, but I mean, the average could be 20, 25 years, perhaps something like that. But it, 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 it with any floor, irrespective of if it's vinyl, carpet, or other, 
it depends how it's um, how it's how it's maintained. Maintained, absolutely. Like, you know, footfall, you know, this sort of thing. So there's a lot, a lot of um, yeah, a lot depends on yeah, you know, the, the, the maintenance element. Fab. Um, and more of a sales question, um, but because you're now in a sort of well, being in a BDM role, let's say. Um, what is the best bit of advice you've received and what's the worst bit of advice you've received? And we'll keep it, try and keep it flooring related. Oh, right, indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know advice. you may have got many over the time, but it's, yeah, what's the best and the worst? I think the best advice is keep it simple. Love it. Keep it simple. I mean, my, my, I mean, let's say I managed the team for, for six years and, you know, we still, we, we work closely together. So my advice to them and their advice to me, their advice to me was obviously, you know, if I'm doing a good job, let me know. I think that's always good feedback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep it simple. At the end of the day, you've got two ears, use them, listen, listen. You know, don't go out there all guns blazing and start telling everybody all these wonderful, wonderful things that you can offer them. You know, you have, you have no idea until you speak to them and say what they want. So, you know, really listen and be on their side. Be on the, be on the side of the customer. Was to a degree, I suppose. Um, but listen, listen to what they want. Listen to what they want. Put a solution together that makes sense for them. Because I think sometimes people people lose the fact that sales it's not it's a long term a long term game. It's about creating long term opportunities, i.e., long term relationships. And I think when I was younger, it was probably a bit of a hap dash. You know, get in there, get in quick, get the job done. You know, get the sales sorted, and off to the next one. But the bigger part of the equation is, is after. It's after that first sale. So it's slow it down, keep it simple, always have the customers, um, you know, listen to the customer, value the customer, uh, and trying to um, create a long-lasting relationship ship based on mutuality. It's got yeah. to be right for both sides, hasn't it? So, so yeah, um, yeah, keep it simple was the best advice. And I think the worst advice was probably not so much sales-oriented, but more managing people. Yeah, you know, it's about you know, I had a manager, not in Jerflow. I mean, I must say, you know, the people I've worked work, work for in Jerflow have been brilliant from day one. Bar the odd hiccup here and there, but you know, it is what it is. Okay. But generally, brilliant. Um, prior to, I had a few jobs whereby it was all about um, it was all about really managing people with a stick. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. A bit old-fashioned, you know, a bit archaic, sort of Victorian sales techniques, perhaps. But you know, I was quite surprised about like, you do this today, you do this tomorrow. You've got to blah, blah, blah. And uh, I just thought this is ridiculous. So the worst bit of advice wasn't it direct advice. It was what I, it was born out of an experience. You know, treat people as people and treat people as individuals. You might have 10 individuals in a team. They're still individuals within a team. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So keep it simple and keep away from the stick. It doesn't work. It doesn't no, work. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, as a, the sales and managing people, um, Asking great questions and listening—it's combination sure. of both. You're managing people; it's just asking right questions. You know, it's like um, rather than telling, asking, and that's the thing I found that with sales. And we've done sales training so many times, and it's—it's it's just about asking the right questions. And now, I don't know the commercial. I don't know how affected it's been, but certainly the domestic market with flooring, um, yeah, it's—it's it's, it's sort of dropped a little bit more. So it's now even more critical to be asking the right questions and pre-qualifying clients um so no one's wasting time and it i wouldn't say back in the day you could sort of you could get away with 
an amount of clients, but now domestically, yeah. you, you're really having to get the right clients. And the only way of finding them is asking them the right questions rather than oh, telling them anything. Fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the commercial, I mean, the residential side is slightly alien to me. We have a we have a residential team, but it's all to do with uh, work within social housing. So it's still commercial yeah. in effect, well, you know, transactions. Are. But um, you know what? it doesn't matter. I mean, people are people. You know, yeah. if you're the director of, I don't know, BP or if you're, you know, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. No. People are people. You've got to listen, understand what they want. They want different things. And if you can deliver, make sure you can deliver. And the other thing is, actually, Tom's thinking about is, it's just, you know, don't talk nonsense. Don't lie to people. Yeah. Just be honest with people. Yeah. And if, you, if, you, if you've got to have a difficult conversation, have the difficult conversation, because I can guarantee you're better off longer term having that conversation early, earlier than later or at all. You know, don't, you know just don't, don't, don't talk nonsense. No, um, that spreads so yeah. far quicker, quite far quicker than the good news spreads. But at least if someone can rely on you, that's the uh, that's the main thing. Now I think it's yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. People say it's how you deal with the issues, isn't it? How you deal with the issues is just as important as anything yeah. else. Uh, you know, we never, we, we, nobody gets things right a hundred percent of the time. It's just, no. it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But just be honest with people. Be yourself. Be yourself. A good one, definitely. Because you know, anybody in a any whatever we're doing in life. You've got to where you've got by being who you are. So don't get away from that. That's another thing I've found in the past, especially with man managers. So not, not with Jerflow, but with other companies, they seem to change their ideals because now they've, you know, they're, they're, they're up the ladder a wee bit, you know? They're up yeah. the ladder. And all of a sudden, they thought, what's happened to you? What's yeah. happened to you? you know, the ego follows them. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and sort of, the, the, after, as time goes on, the personality changes into something that they think works for them to get to the, up the next rung of the ladder. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Let, let, let you let you work. Let you, you know, your work, your work, your success is, you know, what you do day to day. That'll get you, if you want to go, if you want to go up the ladder, that'll get you up the ladder. You don't have to be yeah. devious and bloody, you know, underhand, do you? You know, no, the day, be yourself, be yourself and, and stick to it. Stick to your principles. No, I love it. Uh, with, with that in mind, and as, as you've come up the ladder, what is your least favourite part of your current role? Ooh. I love throwing these ones in. Yeah, these, this is a difficult one because there's nothing I don't like. I enjoy, <laughs> I, I, enjoy the, no, I enjoy the challenge, but I would I would say I probably get frustrated a little bit now and again. And this, this is born from years and years ago because I'm probably a little bit quick. to. I like to get things done. Yeah. But I have to appreciate sometimes. I think we're all a bit like this. You know, it's not just about us. If you work in a group, you know, it's it's how you affect others as well. So sometimes I might be a bit not gung ho. I'm very professional. Don't get me wrong. The things will get done, but I like to go at a fairly swift pace. Yeah. I don't want to just leave things. Whereas some people might think, "It's all right. I'll, I'll get it done. It'll get done. But it'll get done next week." So probably slight frustrations from time to time um, around that. Within 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 the whole team environment, but again, that might be said. That's probably the reverse as well for others. They'll say that about me. So, but from that, I don't know. I mean, oh, sorry. Let me think. Yes, I think Tom. One thing is what really bothers, what not annoys me, is rude people. Huh? Yeah. When you try when you speak to somebody, you have a conversation. It goes goes really really well, and there's an action put in place for the next steps. I'm talking about customers. Right. right. Okay. Then they that's it. They ghost you. Oh, uh, they go? Yeah. Just, you know. Now, now, at the end of the day, it might be a case of, well, it is a case of the conversation's been hard. It might have gone back somewhere else. It's not really of interest. But I'd much rather know 
and it's yeah. not of interest, just be honest. Again, that goes back to his honesty. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you know, so that 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 that, that is very frustrating. Yeah. So yeah, being ghosted by uh, by customers who who you've already spoken to. Now the ones you haven't spoken to, fair enough, they can just ignore you. You know, you need to try and find a different angle to speak to them guys. But if you spoke to somebody and then they completely ignore you, that's a little bit annoying. Yeah, and then they use yeah. the word busy. Yeah, yeah, we're all busy, aren't we? You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Another piece of advice: if you're speaking to anybody, never, never put "busy" into the conversation. Yeah. It's just an excuse. It, that's it. Yeah, it's 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 the this wasn't a bigger priority than something else. It's not that you're busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all yeah, the so. same amount of hours on the year. <laughs> it's just that this isn't a priority to you. Yeah. You like, don't want to talk to me. Just tell me that. I'd rather you know say say it as it is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would make sales and even relationships easier if everyone was just straight up okay. and said, uh, yeah. this isn't for me. Just uh, so, yeah. So um, to get we'll go a bit more on a personal level, Paul, um, to get the most out of you and to perform in the best way you can in the flooring industry, how does your morning routine look at the moment? It's uh, morning tends to be up, about, up and about. As I'm getting a bit older, I'm quite keen to keep fit. So I've been. Uh, I bought myself an ice bath, Tom. Have you? Oh, lovely. I have. Right. I bought myself an outdoor thing. So uh, yeah. yeah. So my routine in the morning, I'm up and about relatively early. Probably sort of half six, seven o'clock. I'll do a bit of exercise for half an hour. I'll jump in my ice bath. And I'm every so day. Cold, like, every morning, yeah, ten minutes every morning. Right. And uh, well, I might. Well, not when I'm on holiday. No, no. I, I don't take. I don't take it with me, mate. So um, yeah, up and about. Then shower. Breakfast, you know, get the kids sorted out, what have you. And then back then to it. So eight o'clock, I'm generally on the on the laptop, having a little look. I've that's what I try and do. I try and arrange my week prior or in advance. So I've got a, a nucleus of work that I need to do, which is absolutely yeah. fundamental. It's got to be done. And I sort of work within that. So I try and structure it uh, whereby um my bulking work has to get done. There's always a certain amount of work that needs to be done within a working day. So I'll cut up around six, half six, depends. Um, and just get it done. My routine was, yeah, it's brilliant to be straightforward, but I think planning ahead is key to it for me. I want to come back to the ice bath thing. Um, how how long have you been doing the ice bath now? Oh, about three, three months. Not too long. Yeah. Um, is it is it like a, an Amazon job? Yeah, I've got one that I've used a few times, or is it a full one that... Uh... Produces the ice and all that. Type no, of thing. no, no, no. Well, I think I've had to rephrase what I said before. Maybe we'll call it a, we'll call it cold water immersion because <laughs> I don't have ice cubes in all the time. You see, because because no. the missus goes mad because there's never any in the fridge. So um, cold water immersion, but yeah, it's one of them um, sort of blow pods. Yeah, yeah. It's one of them, but no, it's it's spot on for what it is. So it's just outdoors. <laughs> So obviously Christmas time, it's going to get a wee bit chillier. But I mean, it's cold enough, but it seems to be doing a job. I mean, I was watching, a, it was on that bloody YouTube and that Wim Hof guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the ice, like the Finnish, the ice man. That, That's right, yeah, yeah. I was watching him and I thought, oh, goodness me, that looks like torture. And then from there, it sort of escalated. A load of YouTube videos come out and you see stuff on Google. There's all these health benefits. But the one that got me more so was when you have a busy life, home and work, I just felt as though I wonder if it would help me focus that little bit more, just so I can get a little bit more done, a little bit easier, a little bit more straightforward. And to be fair, it seems to work quite well. It's I never sort of, I think previous jobs, I had a lot of pressure, like 
you know, physical and mental pressure in other jobs, mainly the armed forces. So it doesn't bother me. I don't get, I don't never feel stressed. I never feel pressurized. You've got to live life with a smile on your face. But, you know, the odd little thing here and there, like the cold water bath, if it helps, then why not? I, I'm sure, I, I think it was actually yesterday I saw it, which is funny you've mentioned it. I've seen this, um, it said, um, I, I'll put this as least crude as possible and keep it as commercial. <laughs> um, a line of cocaine um, will produce certain amount of endorphins and lasts about 30 minutes, right? right? A two-minute ice bath produces the same amount of endorphins as a line of cocaine, but lasts two and a half to three hours. Very um, good. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's some statement. And again, it might have been hearsay, but I have heard very, very well, similar yeah. stuff. And it's, you no, know, I think you're right. I think you're right. At the end of the day, it, you know, it just goes to show it. It, it certainly helps. You know, it's definitely got benefits, definitely. I mean, some are a bit outlandish. But, I mean, most of the ones that I read, you know, the top, top, top benefits to me. I mean, so the main one is sort of helping you focus and, uh, you know, relieving stress levels and things, things like that. Just making you, sort of making you think a wee bit more clearly. If yeah. you've got that clarity of thought day in, day out, it's certainly going to help you in your daily routine. Yeah, I think I need to dig mine back out. I did have a few weeks and a few months, but I need to be more consistent. I would agree. It's, uh, I need to stop messing about. So is there any new... We'll go back to flooring, because that's what we're here yeah. for. Um, yeah, yeah. Joe Floor, is there any new state-of-the-art or um, products that are coming or any new news that we need to know about, or even anything on the eco-friendly side, anything you can tell us that we might not know about? Yeah, well, there's a few things, really. I think um, the main benefit for Geoflow within the UK, obviously, we work with Geoflow Gratis. So the variety and the, the number of products that are available is probably, probably the widest selection of products across the UK from any manufacturer within flooring. And that, in effect, helps us provide real solutions within key sectors, predominantly healthcare. Yeah. One area is one one large area within healthcare is wall protection. So again, that covers up the you know what have you. So I think that the the, the 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 breadth of the product selection is one. The second thing is where we are very innovative in what we try and bring to the market, and the market's changing a wee bit in respect of sustainability and an environmental carbon footprint is at the forefront of what we're trying to achieve. So there's a lot of loose layer products. Yeah. I'd mentioned Taraflex before the sports floor. There's a loose layer option coming out on Taraflex, for example. There's loose layers on heterogeneous, sort of multi-layered products that are coming out, things like that. So that's the way we're, we're shifting. And I think, um, again, with sustainability being sort of the hot, hot topic and the reduction of carbon, a lot of the talk around carbon is around embodied carbon, which I fully understand and, and the reason behind it. And it covers off most of this, this sort of the, the circle, if you like. But one area we're trying to develop and look into a wee bit more is operational carbon. Okay. So the idea behind that is how long, how easy a floor is to clean and how long the floor will be in situ yeah. on the floor. Now, the longer it's in situ and the easier it's to clean, has a huge, huge positive benefit on the carbon. So the operational carbon, again, so around sustainability environment, that's one area we're looking at. And as I've said, you know, the width, the breadth of the product portfolio. And obviously with that, the solutions we can put together for, for, our, for our customers. So I think that's, that's the, biggest, the biggest benefits of Geoflow greatest. Okay. Right. I'm going to go to a few of the secondary controversial ones. So if you could have a um, 
paint with three people, who oh. would it be tonight? Tonight? Yeah, or dead, dead or alive. alive. I was going to say tonight. Yeah, dead or alive. That opens up a little bit better. Dead or alive. Well, I don't want to sort of put a down on her, but my mum, my mum, she's dead, so that's great. Nice yeah. to see her again. Definitely. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. Also, hmm, let me think. Why, Tom, you put me on the spot here. Now, this is a question <laughs> I think people probably answer quite quickly, but uh, for me, it's not as easy. Frank Sinatra. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you why. I think what, I think what a life he must have led. He must have, had, he must have some stories to tell around the dinner table. Yeah. One of, you know, a good the, the leader of the Rat Pack, definitely. And the other one would be, yeah, I think Alan Shearer, because obviously mm. you probably well, you know, you, well, you, now you know who your football team is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I want to put the listeners off, but yeah. I mean, what an icon in Newcastle. I mean, what, what a man, what a player. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, love to have a chat with Alan Shearer. Brilliant. I like that. I like that too. And uh, if you could change your profession today, what would you be and what would you do? Retired. <laughs> no, no. What I do, I think, I think, I would go into some kind of, I would go into some kind of. Um, actually, let me tell you one thing because I, I do have another job as well, right, okay. um, which I volunteer for. I think it's worth a worth a plug, shameless uh-huh. plug. I don't get paid for it, but um, I, I do. I do volunteering, mentoring for the forces charity Safa. All right, okay. What does so that help? Well, basically, it's it's transitioning people from out the forces into civilian life, and as okay. you can imagine, you know some of the guys have done a number of years. I mean, some not so much. So it's people who struggle. When the army say right, or the navy, the air force say right, we're finished with you. I know that sounds awful, but in some cases, that's how the people feel, and they've got to move into civilian life, and it's so so difficult. It could be an issue of trying to find a house to live in, try and find a job, because everything's done for them in the forces. I mean, I know from my experiences. You know the dentist. The dentist is on site, on camp. Yeah, you know, everything's there. So it's so so difficult. So, so yeah. So I, I do a volunteering, mentoring work for people leaving the forces. So I think I'd like to do that in a bigger capacity. Fantastic. Help people. Help people. Because um, I think the biggest skill a salesperson can have is the skill to communicate. So I would I would, I would keep I'd follow that theme and use that communication to to help people in a different way. Love that, love that. Um, and if you could employ anyone in the world to join your team at Jerflow, who would it be? Oh, <laughs> I think I'd like to get Simon Sinek in. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, he, he, he'll be able to motivate the group, won't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, 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 yeah, I think he would. Yeah, Simon Sinek. Uh, I think he's, uh, yeah, like I said, all, all his TED talks. And I quite like the idea how he sort of patterns things through and and, you know, the why, how, all this, you know, that mechanism. So, yeah, him. Or who else could I have? Let me think about this. There might be two, Tom. I'm trying to think. Who else could do well? Who else could we bring into the team? Who else could we bring into the team? She wouldn't think do now. a bad job, I don't think. No, I think he can motivate them. Quite Eddie Howe, actually, because he hasn't. I'll tell you, why not? Bring it, let's get Eddie Howe in. <laughs> let's be honest. He's doing a canny job. He's doing a canny job. Yeah, yeah. yeah love it. So I've got two uh, two last questions for you. Uh, one difficult, one not so difficult. Oh, all right. um, and we're going to change things so that I'm going to jump forward, but there, so you've got a little bit of time to think about it. I'm going to ask you for a question for me to ask my next podcast guest because I'm copying Mr. Bartlett. Um, so you need to tell me. Okay. I, I want to know a question from you at the end, and it can be. I'm not going to tell you who the guest is. So 
Um, but the um, the one I'm going to set the, the the tone with is the hardest question. What is holding you back, Paul? Holding me back? That's the question. Oh, goodness me. From a work perspective? In any perspective, any perspective you want to take it, that's the question. Oh, goodness what, me, is holding you you what is holding you back, Paul? What is holding me back? What is holding me back? Myself is holding me back because in an ideal world, I think in years to come, I had a dream of working for myself in a very various capacity. So sometimes I think life holds you back, and I don't want to go. I don't want to go too big on this, but I think I might have to. I think <laughs> the problem is no, because I think life holds you back because certain things happen. And you, it's, a, it's about a level of responsibility. So I think responsibility is great, but it can have a, the adverse effect of holding you back in certain instances. So I'm going to say responsibility. Responsibility. But, not for the, but, but you know what I mean? But so it's, a, it's one of them. It's an interesting one. I love it. It's, 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 it's someone, if someone thought about it deeply, you, you know, that, that's, the answer's there. Yeah. The answer's okay. there. But uh, it's different for everybody, mine, I must say. Different Absolutely. for everybody. Brilliant. And what question would you like me to ask my next podcast uh, guest? Well, this is it. This is it's difficult. I don't know who it is. And uh, I, I'd like it to be relative to the individual. But since I don't, I don't know who it is, but it, it has to relate to flooring. Preferably. Yeah, absolutely. Preferably, yeah, have to relate for flooring. I think the flooring industry, I'd like to ask the question in relation to, this might not make any sense at all. Who was the person? Um, let me think. I suppose the future of flooring or commercial flooring, in respect of uh, this is a question. This is this is quite controversial. With it, with a view to uh, twenty thirty and the drive for zero carbon, net zero. Yeah. When do you think adhesives will be will disappear? So basically, when will the adhesive disappear from 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 a floor from flooring? Because that seems to be the way it's going. It's not very good for the adhesive manufacturers. No. I'd, I'd like if the person can answer the question. I'd be interested in the on the view as to what that looks like. Because there is a move to loosely and obviously, you know, it's never it's right. It's the right thing to do. Sustainability, all this sort of stuff. But again, that has a consequence, and it might have a consequence on the adhesive manufacturers. I love it. Right in that the long term. I like a difficult question. That is a good one for someone to answer. Yeah. You can rephrase it how you wish, you know, however you want to rephrase it. But that's that you get the gist of it, what I'm asking there. Absolutely. The there. That's brilliant, Paul. And where can anyone who's listening to the podcast reach out to you or your team if they want to know more about the product or what, what you guys do? Well, they can reach out in respect to the company to the website, which is www.jerflaw.com. That's with a G. But G E R F L O R one O Jeff Law Jeff Law Girth Law Jeff Law and for me personally um tap me up on LinkedIn all my details are on there Brilliant. give me a shout anything to do with main contractor main contractor supply chain main contractor works projects general or anything modular because modular especially because I'm learning as I go modular is a very new sector in the UK albeit we've done stuff. We're just trying to tie it all together. So I think people who deal, who have a understanding of modular, love to speak to you because um, I've got lots to learn myself. And the more I know about it, the easier or better I'll, I'll become at my job. Fabulous. Now, I'm sure there will be definitely people that uh, 
we're getting more and more commercial. We get, we'll get, we want everyone on. Anyone that's in the foreign yeah. industry from any end of the spectrum, there's a lot of different diverse listeners. So it's uh, from all different countries as well. So it's. Uh, I think it's brilliant, mate. In the day, like I say, I came across you because of the podcast. I saw you, I tapped you on LinkedIn, and I'd never come across anything like it before. But I think, you know, people can talk about things and have a chat and have a discussion. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, Tom, uh, you know, in, 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 in the future, if you're, if you're having like a panel talk where you can get numerous people together from different 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 flooring sides of flooring, if you like, it, things it, things like that, because I mean that'd be of interest as well. So. We've got our first panel talk coming up in a couple of weeks. With, oh, there you go. I didn't with, know that, mate. With you wouldn't have done because it's with <laughs> it's with ladies of the flooring industry. Oh, brilliant! Excellent. So I'm not taking part in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, we, we're definitely going to bring in panels. Anything yeah, suggestions from guests? Um, suggestions of questions. It's about the listeners. So if it can't just be the the Tom and Sarah show, um, it, it's got to be what other people want to listen to. So a panel is as if the first one is going to launch, and that's ladies of the flooring industry. So I think brilliant. there's, if I'm right, I think there's. Four, five ladies on there, very different backgrounds, but all in the flooring industry. That's the first one. But then again, yeah. we might do a commercial one. We might do a shop owners one. But yeah, great, great suggestion. But yeah, anything we can do to make it more interesting. Um, so that might be one to put down. We could do one for commercial and everyone can thrash it out and we can ask awkward questions. Yeah. And then uh, we could do a shop owners one and then a contractor on the ground one. Um, or even maybe a contractor on the ground one with some of the bigger firms to ask the bigger firms some controversial questions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt, I think it's a good one because at the end of the day, you know, everyone should be in it together. And there's no, I don't, but I think everyone should help one another where they can. And this certainly helps. It gets, it's a voice, you know, the voice of the flooring industry on a podcast. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not aware of any others. I mean, there might be. There's some in the US, none in the UK. Yeah. So, yeah. but again, the US they, they do it differently over there. I mean, we got a big presence in in, in the US. You know, and the guys. You know, it's funny because the way they sell over there is somewhat different to us. I think we we are, we are a little bit uh, long in the tooth. I think when it comes to sales and sales strategies and sales techniques, I think there's various things we can do. So it'll be interesting to get it because you you had a you had a sales expert on a few weeks a couple of months ago. We have. I yeah, we, that was interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting. Just different ideas. And different things you can bring to the uh, bring to the table, so to speak, because everything should evolve, and sales shouldn't be any different. But I think sales evolves through technology, which is fine. Mm. But I think there's an evolution around other things. And again, you know what that looks like. I don't, I don't necessarily know. We all have different ideas, but you know we can't. We shouldn't let the digi- digital transformation mm. overtake the human element. There's plenty of things we can do. I think as individuals as well. But anyway, maybe it's for another day. <laughs> uh, that's, well, that's the idea of the podcast is to get people talking, people communicating, and people listening. That's that's the yeah, thing. Brilliant. So, no, Have thank you so much for coming on this podcast, Paul. I've enjoyed this one. Brilliant. Yeah, thank it was you. the first one, it's first one, so I was a little bit oh, apprehensive, but I'm pleased you managed to get me on at the end. <laughs> 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 no. No, it's nice, nice to meet you, Paul. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk that's cockerellandco.co.uk we also have an instagram account which is cockerellandco and also we are on facebook once again don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you here again soon